Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance, fines, and more. In this episode, I'm going to talk through a process to handle return 1099s. If you don't have a plan for dealing with return 1099s, or if you want to confirm you are doing the five steps I'm going to include, then keep listening. Welcome to episode 167, Five Steps to Handle Return 1099. So I am publishing this podcast episode on uh, Thursday, December 30th. And depending on when you're listening, you're right on time if you're listening to it as soon as it's published to get ready for those return 1099s. Now, I do want to ask for a show of hands for everyone who does not receive uh, 1099s back in the mail once you send them out. Yes, I know. I am on a podcast episode and I can't see your hands raised, but it doesn't matter um, because no one should raise their hands because everyone should have returned 1099s. Um, Most likely it's because your vendors moved and just neglected to tell you. Maybe you had some one-time vendors. Maybe you uh, did business with a vendor early in the year and didn't do any additional business with them. And so they didn't feel it necessary to let you know know that they have moved. Um, And so there can be a myriad of reasons why they come back. And it could just be that the address um, is not uh, mailable, meaning you don't have it in in a mailable format. It wasn't standardized. And so, yes, everyone typically gets some 1099s back in the mail after they have mailed them out. And so what I would like to have or show here is a five-step process to handle those return 1099s because unfortunately, uh, the longer it takes you to get that 1099 into your vendor's hands, the longer it will take the vendor to notify you if there are any corrections required. And as you know, the IRS bases their penalties Uh, on the date that any required corrections were reported. So you want to have a process in place so that uh, it's efficient enough to get that uh, 1099 into the vendor's hands and then have that vendor contact you before you start going up the IRS's penalty charts. 
And I say up the chart, but uh, that chart is based on deadline dates. And so it has specific penalties based on when the corrections are filed. And so I am assuming that uh, your 1099s have been distributed or will be distributed and filed with the IRS based on their deadline dates. And I am just talking about those 1099s that are mailed. And I know a lot of you will use the uh, electronic delivery option. However, you do need to have consent and you do need to have an email address. Uh, So I'm assuming that even if you do have that option, you have some vendors that will receive a uh, paper copy of the 1099. And so this is still applicable. All right, so let's jump into it. So the first step to handle return 1099s is to one, log the return. So I suggest you have a Google Sheet or an Excel spreadsheet and you identify um, or you log the vendor name and vendor ID, their address, um, the postmark date, as well as the return receive date. Now, once you log it, you want to go ahead and also scan it. So you want to open the envelope and then scan uh, the 1099 to the vendor record and retain that for four years. So you want to attach it to the vendor record or if you don't, if you have an accounting system or ERP where you cannot attach to the vendor record, then put it in wherever you put the vendor uh, supporting documentation. And hopefully that is on a secure file directory or some type of repository. But the point is, is that you do need to retain that uh, return 1099. And then you also want to comment on the vendor record. And if you're not currently doing comments on your vendor record, you might want to think about doing that um, so that anyone Uh, can come behind whoever process, you know, uh, created that vendor, made the latest update, attached the return 1099 so that they can see what was done. And so in this case, you want to comment and just put the date, um, identify that the 1099 uh, was returned and it was saved. And if if it was saved um, in some type of a directory or a, a secure folder, then put the pathway to that. Um, also in the comment that can help anyone that's uh, that's looking for it that comes behind the person that does the logging. Um, so add the comment to the vendor record. So now that you've logged the return 1099, you scanned it and saved it um, wherever you save your vendor supporting documentation. Now you need to get that 1099 back into the hands of uh, the vendor. So step three is to research and or request an updated address. So the goal is to quickly find and update that correct address um, because again, it is directly related to higher penalties. The later you get it to the vendor, the later they will notify you of any corrections. And the later you file corrections, the higher the penalty is with the IRS. Um, And then once you get a new uh, address, you want to validate the address and confirm it with the vendor before updating the vendor master file. So follow your normal process. If you have to reach out to um, the vendor to confirm um, the address, because it could be something as simple as a fat finger, you know, um, an address was uh, transposed and you can check that against the supporting documentation that was used to 
uh, set the vendor up or uh, update the latest address. And if that's the case, you can just go ahead and send it out. But if you do have a totally different address, you want to reach out to that vendor and you want to confirm that um, uh, before making the change in the vendor master file or if you're sure that it is your vendor's address, then go ahead and update it. But I would send a notification to the vendor and let them know that you updated uh, their vendor address and also that their 1099 is on the way. So that is uh, step number three. And then step number four is to resend the 1099. And you can resend that via US mail Or if you did have to reach out to the vendor, I would ask them if they um, would consent to or if they would like to receive the 1099 via electronic delivery. And that saves you time. Again, you're racing up against the IRS's uh, penalties and and their deadline dates for corrections. Um, And so you can send them through your process for electronic delivery, however you have you have that set up, whether it's with a third party and they go to their platform, um, they uh, they uh, register or they give their consent and then they register and then they download. So uh, that's an option. So resend the 1099 either by U.S. mail or use this time as the perfect time to enable them or enroll them in electronic delivery of their 1099s. All right, so that was step four. And then the last step, step five, is to update the log. So you already logged in the fact that you had uh, your vendor's 1099 returned. Now, um, after you resend the 1099, you're going to update the log and you're going to add the date the return was resent. And then another thing you can do too is use that date to calculate or use that log with the um, uh, date the return was recent um, as an estimator for possible penalties. Now, this whole process, you know, getting in touch with the vendor can take some time. And so if you can already identify that you're going to be, let's say, in the I think the the one of the uh, levels for the IRS's penalties is like March 1st through August 1st or something like that. Anyway, if you already know that you're going to be in a certain um, level or category on the chart for penalties, um, then if you have to submit a correction and you don't know if you have to at this point, but you can use that log as an estimator Um, just assume that you're going to have to file a correction and estimate what that uh, penalty will be when you have to file that correction. So you can use that log as an estimator for possible penalties. And then that way you can keep your leadership updated on uh, what penalties, what potential penalties there are. So there are no surprises and you can even accrue for uh, those penalties, at least a portion of it. Um, And I liken that to um, uh, accruing expenses for shrinkage, right? Because we know there's going to be shrinkage with inventory. And so if you uh, know that there are some issues issues with 1099s coming back every year and you have received penalties in the past, 
I would use that log and maybe take a percentage of those estimated potential penalties and accrue for those. And then that way, uh, not only have you uh, made leadership aware of the potential penalties, but you've also um, incorporated those uh, into your accruals. So those expenses won't hit um, all at once. And this will probably be something. So you'll send those 1099s out January 31st, and then you'll probably continue to get them back, you know, kind of all through February. And so make sure that you're estimating those as you get those in. Now, for these five steps, I used to uh, assign one person, actually it was two people, but one was a backup, but I would assign one person to deal with those return 1099s. And typically it was uh, someone on my uh, customer service team. Um, And I don't know, you know, how long you've been listening to the podcast, but sometimes I will talk about, you know, my prior life as an AP senior manager over vendor setup and maintenance. And so we had uh, 140,000 thousand active vendors across seven different ERPs. And we would send out, you know, anywhere from 24,000 to 30,000, 1099s per year. And so we did have quite a few returns because our vendors wouldn't tell us, you know, if they, if they moved it for the most part, if, if they weren't doing actively doing business with us, they may not tell us. And so I always had someone uh, assigned uh, as a primary to handle these uh, 1099 returns. And then I also had a backup and uh, that's another good reason for the log because someone can come right after Um, whomever was the primary on it and pick up where that person left off. All right. So those were the five steps and a little bit of a bonus in identifying how I used to assign staff to handle that process. Now, for those of you that are not aware, I do have a very young YouTube channel. And on that channel, I do... uh, less than five minutes, sometimes six minutes videos. I call them vendor master file tips of the week. And last week I talked about two year in activities um, for 1099s. I think that's what I called it. But one of them was to uh, verify your address, uh, standardize, check the standardization as well as the status. And so I'll put a link to that um, so that you can watch that one. Um, the other one was about, I believe, the IRS uh, 10 match. But uh, I'll go ahead and put a link to that video. And then maybe you can stick around and listen to uh, other uh, or watch other videos, other vendor master file tips of the week. And if you didn't know, I also have the podcast on YouTube as well. So I don't know where you're listening to this app, but you can also uh, listen to my podcast on my YouTube channel. So check out the channel if you haven't so far. All right. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 167th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.